Good morning, good afternoon, Richmond. It's 12 noon, and I'm AWOD back here in the good old RVA on the new 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, live from Capitol House here in Innsbruck to recap that big game last night, the Bud Light big game recap. And uh, wow, let me just say this what a game, what a season, what a year. It has been in the NFL. Taylor Swift came, and Taylor Swift conquered. And now all the bandwagon Chiefs, Taylor Swift fans, Taylor Swift supporters, feel that feeling of winning a championship after watching last night. They're celebrating a Super Bowl today before most fans ever will. They've been watching for six months. Now they get the taste of victory. Well, I've been a Commanders fan for 31 years and still waiting. We'll get into what went right today for the Chiefs. And what went wrong for the Niners and what went into Kyle Shanahan's decision to receive the ball first in overtime? I get it. The, the rules have changed. This was the first time with the new overtime rules. And it's in the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year. But Kyle Shanahan was not prepared while Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were. And that kind of ended up being the difference in which was one of the best Super Bowls of all time. But first, in case you missed it, we will relive the excitement of Super Bowl 58 here on the Sports App. Here it is, everybody. Clearly, this is the future. Stats, scores, highlights. Whoa, 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 are you serious? Wi-Fi plus 3G, 64K. This one, this one. The Sports App. Everything was going good for the San Francisco 49ers. They got them on the board first with a field goal and then drove the length of the field to set up a trick play. They waited all season long to use this trick play and worked out to perfection. Run CMC runs into the end zone. Here's the call on 49ers radio. Second and 10, Niners up 3 nothing. Purdy going to throw a double pass. Back to Juwan Jennings. A throwback across the field to McCaffrey. He's got it. 20, 10, 5, touchdown! San Francisco! CMC enter the Dragon, baby! Six points on a trick play! And that's what we talked about all week long, broadcasting live from Vegas, Bud Light, big game week was it felt like the 49ers were going to come out and punch the Chiefs in the mouth. You knew the Chiefs would eventually respond, but CMC with that trick play runs into the end zone. It's 10-0 49ers halfway through the second quarter. McCaffrey finished the game with 22 carries for 80 yards, 3.6 yards a carry. Probably should have ran it to him more. Uh, he also caught the ball eight times for 80 yards and that 24-yard touchdown grab. Uh, but the game switched when the 49ers made their first mistake. It came on a muffed punt. Let's take a listen to the call. High punt. Townsend goes down and now picked up by McConnell. He fumbles it. He fumbles the punt. A muffed punt. And Kansas City's got the football. He's got the football at the San Francisco 17-yard line. You cannot give the Chiefs a chance like that, and they would score. Uh, game would go back and forth and, and back and forth. Uh, it was really exciting there into that third quarter when Marquez Valdez-Scantling finally gave the Chiefs their first lead of the game, 13-10, with this touchdown grab. Here's the call on the Chiefs radio network. Mahomes, firing for the end zone, wide open, caught, touchdown, Kansas City, Marquez Valdez 
16 yards on a seam up the numbers, and Kansas City has its first lead of Super Bowl 58. And you're thinking, man, all the momentum's in Kansas City's favor, but what do the 49ers do? They've responded all year long when faced with adversity. Brock Purdy went right down the field, no problems. It was Juwan Jennings who threw the first touchdown pass, and then it was Juwan Jennings who caught another touchdown pass. Here's the call on the 49ers radio network of the Niners regaining the lead. Juszczyk and Kittle are tight left. Purdy back. Purdy throws and is caught by Juwan Jennings. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown! San Francisco! All right, and then a pair of field goals would send this game to overtime. The 49ers would get the ball first in overtime. 13 plays, 66 yards. They actually get down to inside the red zone all the way down to the Kansas City 9. But Brock Purdy has Chris Jones right in his face on third down, has to throw it away, incomplete, short right. In comes Moody, the field goal kicker. And he knocks it down to give the 49ers the lead. But the Chiefs get the ball because of the new overtime rules. And a touchdown would win it. It was Patrick Mahomes with the game on the line. Fourth and one. He ran off right tackle for eight yards. And then third and six. Patrick Mahomes needs another big play. He's going to scramble to the right and find Rashid Rice. Then once again from the San Francisco 32. You know the theme of this drive. Patrick Mahomes with the game on the line. Let's take a listen to the call. Mahomes scrambles up the middle to put his team into field goal range. Chiefs will throw it on third and one. Mahomes is going to run at 30-yard line. 25-20. Mahomes inside the 15 and down to the 13-yard line. And then after that, it was a weird little screen pass to Travis Kelsey that actually he muscled forward for seven yards to set up first and goal from the San Francisco three. Miko Hardman into the game. Miko Hardman only had one big play in the first quarter, then kind of sat for three quarters, comes back in the game in the fourth quarter. Three seconds left in overtime. Didn't matter. They were going to play another quarter, but the game ends as Miko Hardman catches a three-yard touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. And your Chiefs are Super Bowl 58 champions, 25-22. to Here's the final call of Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs' kingdom has started its own history class because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back -back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs. So we will hear from Patrick Mahomes. We'll hear from Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey singing Viva Las Vegas and more throughout the show today and especially on NFL Hits. But here on the Sports App, recapping all the action from the weekend, let's talk a little VCU hoops. Let's talk college hoops on the Sports App. As VCU and Dayton fought Saturday, a back-and-forth game that was a defensive battle. It was unbelievable. The Rams do not win that game, though, without transfer from Richmond. Former Spider turned Ram Jason Nelson hitting three after three after three. Here's Jason Nelson pulling up for three. Robbie Robinson on the call. Out to Shulga. Shulga to Nelson. Nelson to three left side. Yes, sir! Oh, my! Jason Nelson, have yourself a half! 
Um, Zeb Jackson, who you heard here on AWOD Radio on Friday, had a terrific game defensively going up against Dayton. He took this matchup so seriously. We asked Zeb if this was a rivalry. He said, not the same as Richmond, but, yeah, we keep facing Dayton in these big opportunities, and we want to keep winning. The Rams have not lost to Dayton in the A-10 Conference Tournament, and this game Saturday was a big game to set up seeding for the A-10 Conference Tournament. Here's Zeb Jackson going wire to wire with the finish, and Robbie Robinson once again on the call. Oh, Furman got a hand on it. Jackson comes away. VCU going left to right. Jackson in transition. Layup. Give it to him. Zeb Jackson. He'll go coast to coast. All season long, we've talked about Ryan Odom's offense, a complete change from Mike Rhodes, and the Havoc-style defense that we've been seeing here for the past 10 years in Richmond at VCU. But it was a defensive win for the Rams, and that's kind of been the story of the season. It's not Havoc, but it's Odom Havoc. They're getting stops. They're forcing bad shots. They forced a terrible shot from Deron Holmes with the uh, clock running down and the Rams holding on to a two-point lead. Here's the final call with Robbie Robinson. Rams win by two. Rail will inbound to Bennett at midcourt. He comes to the near side with the dribble, gets a screen. Holmes has got it top of the key. He will drive right side, throws it up off the glass. It's no good. Ball tipped, picked up by Shulga, and that is going. Let's see. To do it. Ball game. Rams win. Rams win. Rams win. 49-47. Crowd seemed electric. I watched that game from the sports book at the Luxor in Vegas. Uh, let's go over to the NHL here on the Sports app. Every day on the Sports app, we track Alex Ovechkin's hunt for history, chasing Wayne Gretzky's career 895 goals. Well, it's been a great week for Ovi. It's been a great February for Ovi. He scores Two more goals uh, since we've last done the tracker. Now needs 800, excuse me, needs 59 goals to catch Wayne Gretzky and has 835 career goals, needs 58, or excuse me, 60 to become the greatest goal scorer in the history of the NHL. Last game, Caps lost, but Ovi was on the ice for 17 minutes and 46 seconds. Three shots and one goal. Here is the call. Myers first on it. Ovechkin takes him to the dasher. Oshie off the steal. Play it out wide. Strom drops it. Ovechkin feeds to the front. Deflection. Score! The captain strikes again. Ovi also scored an empty net goal. That one from February 10th. Let's take a listen to the call on WJFK. Back down to Hine and top of the right circle. 35 seconds left. One-timer from Pasternak. Great job by Jensen again. Stepping up to block that. Out of the zone. Here's Ovechkin looking for the empty net. He got it. He scores. How about that? How about those who questioned the great eight, Alex Ovechkin? Uh, just, I believe, two goals in all of January already. Three goals here in February as he has caught fire following the all-star festivities in the NHL. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Do you think the NFL got it right with the MVP voting, giving it to Patrick Mahomes? Did you like the new overtime rules? Do you feel like Kyle Shanahan's decision to receive the ball first botched it 
for the 49ers. We will recap everything from last night events on the Bud Light Big Game Recap live from Capitol Ale House on the fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. For the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Let's recap the big game here on the Bud Light Big Game Recap. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Call AWOD. Tell me what you saw when you were watching the game last night. Look, this was a great game, right? It was a great game, Stub. Uh, I think it could have gone either way, but I will say the entire game, I felt like the Chiefs would win. In fact, I placed a halftime money line bet on the Chiefs to win because as bad as they were playing at times, they were within one score the entire game. The 49ers just could not pull apart, could not pull away. I think you got to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs defense coordinator, Steve Spagnola, called a great game. I call, saw people calling him the MVC, most valuable coach. And then Patrick Mahomes, once again, the GOAT. You give him a chance. He does not make a mistake in the clutch. He's basically the Michael Jordan of the NFL collecting rings at such a young age. It has been so impressive. What did you think of that game? Uh, just It was a fantastic game, right? It, yeah. it, it's so nice to have a game like that that goes into overtime, and it's not just a wipe. I mean, it, it was looking a little bad at the start with the low scoring and, and a couple of mistakes, but it, it really got to be a good Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and you know, it was it was a defensive battle to start. And the thing is, is that that's kind of what the talk was all week long is I don't think enough people were giving credit to the Chiefs' defense for being so good uh, throughout the entire postseason. And then that 49ers' defense has so many playmakers. Uh, there was an injury early on, and, and so the 49ers had to go to their backup linebacker, Oren Burks, who we actually had on the show uh, this week, who went to South County High School with me in Lorton, Virginia. So Oren was kind of thrust into the spotlight there. I thought he played well. Uh, and then the, both defenses ha- had a really good game. Uh, it just came down to, you know, some trick plays, some big moments. As I wanted to start by recapping some of the big moments, and we'll start with that magical trick play that got Christian McCaffrey into the end zone thanks to a pass from Juwan Jennings Stubb. I mean, that was really important there by the Niners. I I was kind of shocked to see them go with that trick play, but they've had success with the trick play throughout this season with Kyle Shanahan. It was beautiful, and for a second, uh, my friends thought Juwan Jennings was going to be the game MVP if the Niners yeah. won with a passing and receiving touchdown. Kind of a hard thing to do, especially if you're not a quarterback. Yeah, he also had like you know a couple catches too in the second half, and Juwan Jennings definitely had a great game. Uh, stepped up where I feel like Debo Samuel fell off for the 49ers. McCaffrey did his thing, uh, but then you had that big fumble on the punt and I just feel like that was the momentum swing that the Chiefs needed to kind of put their foot in the uh, on in the door and, and just crank that thing wide open for them and that and that fumble that was too everything. bad it, like it bounced off of a, a player's foot yeah. that wasn't even trying to catch the ball it was just an unfortunate mishap that uh, I think yeah, that is where it things was. shifted 
But the, at the same time, you know, the guy that's doing the punt return, you have to be a leader and scream at people to get the heck out of the way. It can't hit your teammate's leg. He needs to know because he, he's not aware. You need to let him know that the ball is falling uh, in that vicinity. So that was a, a big mistake there. Uh, it led to the Chiefs uh, getting on the board. Then Marquez Valdez-Scantling into the end zone. And just like that, the Chiefs had a 13-10 lead. And then the Niners took the ball, and they went the length of the field. And that's where I felt like, man, maybe the Niners are going to do this. Because most most teams would feel like, oh, the Chiefs just, just took all the momentum back here. Uh, they had a few third downs on that drive. But really, thanks to Juwan Jennings, they were able to regain control, went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Then that missed field goal. Did you feel like that ended up being a pivotal swing, that missed extra point? The, the blocked extra point, that did feel yeah. a lot like Because, I mean, if it wasn't blocked, the Niners win that game, score-wise. If it wasn't but. blocked, it ends up being a four-point lead instead yeah. of the Chiefs being able to tie it with Harrison Butker making uh, the longest field goal in the history of the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that it was kind of interesting how we talked all week long about Butker's impact. Like, this is like a... Uh, an unbelievable impact for a kicker. I was kind of comparing it to Justin Tucker, the fact that he was so good from 40 or deep throughout all of the postseason, and he ended up nodding things apiece at 16 with five minutes and 40 seconds uh, left to play. He can't miss that field goal. No. He knocks it down. Uh, it was huge. And he put up 13 of their 25 points that game. He was he was right. the, got 55% of the Chiefs' score, so that he was an absolutely valuable player for them. Yeah, I mean, 49ers had another chance to go down and, and basically win it with a touchdown. Instead, it's Jake Moody that hits a field goal, giving Mahomes the ball with a minute and 53 seconds left to play, and it just felt like 100% chance Mahomes was going to at least getting his team into field goal range to send yeah. it to overtime, maybe even end up winning it. It was Butker who came on with six seconds left to tie the game and send it to overtime. Now, Stubb. I was not aware of the new overtime rules. I'm sure you weren't either, right? I mean, this was it was kind of really confusing when we went to overtime and they were explaining it to us. Yeah, a lot of the room was asking what was happening. Why is it 15 yep. minutes? <laughs> what yep. is what is different here? And thank yep. God for so, the Chiefs, it was 15 minutes. They needed that extra well, time. Well, it was going to. They would have. They would have continued it in the second quarter. That's why the the rules were so weird and and honestly kind of dumb. Like you, it doesn't even matter why you're putting up the time because they said they would just play a whole another oh. game uh, to give both teams the opportunity to have the possession. Yeah, that's what, what they were trying to explain to people. And you saw uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance explaining it on the final play. Like even if they don't score here. We're going to play. That's just the first quarter of this overtime. Both the new rules make it so both teams have the ability to possess the football no matter how much time is on the clock. You can have it until your drive is complete. And so that if the 49ers scored a touchdown, no matter what, the Kansas City Chiefs would have had fourth down to convert to have another touchdown to send it right back to the Back to the 49ers, who then could have won it with a field goal. After that third possession there, it becomes sudden death. But that's why it doesn't make sense for the 49ers to take the ball. Because of the new rule, you're guaranteed a possession. And so that's why after the game, you heard Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid say, yeah, they planned to want to defer the ball there to have the last licks. Because here's what happened, right? The 49ers go down the field. The first time they're faced with a fourth down, what did they have to do? They had to kick a field goal. When the 49ers were, or excuse me, when the Chiefs were faced with a fourth down, they went for it. And Patrick Mahomes picked up with his feet because they knew 
that they had the last lick there, right? And so that's why it was kind of a, a big botch by Kyle Shanahan not understanding the rules of overtime. You have to defer in that situation so that you get that fourth down opportunity. Otherwise, when your offense is on the field and it's fourth down, you have to kick the field goal because if you punt, then a field goal loses you the game. It's a lose-lose situation to ask for the ball first there because a touchdown does not win the game like the previous overtime rule stated. And so it just... Look, Kansas City Chiefs were more prepared. Andy Reid was more prepared, and they ended up being uh, victorious because of that. I mean, it really came down to that overtime decision. And uh, I, I feel bad for Kyle Shanahan, but you, you cannot ask for the ball first there in overtime. Let's take a listen to Shanahan explaining to the media why he wanted the ball first in overtime. Here's Kyle Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers. Uh, this is something we talked about with you know, none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we felt it was in our hands after that. Sub, so play that one more time, all right, because I want to break this down fully here from Kyle Shannon. He, what he's saying, all right, because the audience is confused by this too. I know this. This new overtime rules are confusing. What he's saying is, if we scored a touchdown and the Chiefs scored a touchdown, we wanted the ball third possession and then win it with a field goal. If the Niners score a field goal, Chiefs score a field goal, we get the ball back. We can then win it with a field goal or a touchdown. That's what he's saying. Let's take a listen to Shanahan one more time. Uh, this is something we talked about with. You know, none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked to those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least to a field goal, and if, if we did, then we felt it was in our hands after that. Here's where he's wrong, Stubb, and, and, and I'm just being completely honest. Kyle Shanahan's wrong for this. The Dan Campbell effect of this if the 49ers score a touchdown, the Chiefs already admitted after the game they were going to score and then go for two, right? So the right. 49ers wouldn't have never even gotten the ball back for that last lick. That's yeah, there why was it's no a world dumb decision they... by Shanahan. I mean, if they had gotten the field goal, they would have gotten it back and it would have ended up being a good play for him to do that. Well, but that, but... but at the same time, if the, 40, if the Chiefs feel like, hey, if we kick a field goal here, the 49ers will go right down the field. Then let's just say it's fourth and two. Instead of kicking the field goal, they go for it. Yeah, the they 40, probably the, the Chiefs yeah. get the final decision made because of the new overtime rule. If you don't get the ball first, that's why it does not make sense for Kyle Shanahan. Because even if you get a, a field goal first, what happened? The four, the Chiefs actually had a fourth down in field goal range, and Patrick Mahomes scrambled right. And so right, right. they had that same situ situation in this game. Shanahan tried to read into the analytics. The analytics don't tell you that the Chiefs were going to go for the win. They were going to go for the jugular, and that's what they did. And then you had Travis Kelsey singing Viva Las Vegas. Did you think it was cringy, or did you like it, Stubb? I, I, I missed out on that. I, I think okay. uh, the, the party kind of disrupted as soon as the game <laughs> ended. A lot of people were tired. <laughs> so I didn't get a lot of post-game uh, here in a lot All right, of well, you can, you can give us your live reaction here. Here's Travis Kelsey after, after Super Bowl 58 singing Viva Las Vegas. Cheese Kingdom! We've been fighting for all right all day. How about a little Viva Las Vegas? Viva Las Vegas! Viva! Viva Las Vegas! 
What'd you think? <laughs> I, I, I think that his his image in my mind is a bit tainted from the yelling at Andy Reid on the sidelines thing. Oh, okay. And I don't know how that's affecting my view of it. I don't think it's that cringe. I think if you won the Super Bowl, you can say whatever you want to yeah, an extent. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a little cringe. Like, what are you doing? You know, uh, he just went on. It, like, it, he thought the crowd was gonna get in on it, right? He was pausing <laughs> yeah. there. Viva, pause. Viva, Las Vegas. It was it was cringe. They showed Taylor Swift. She was definitely cringed by it. Uh, but you know what? You're right. You just won the Super Bowl. Uh, he was terrific. Do whatever you want, Travis Kelsey. I didn't have that big of a problem with it. Uh, I really, I actually more liked him saying, "You got to fight for your right to party," because that's kind of become his theme song here over the past few years. As the Chiefs become the first NFL team to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 19 years. If you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. Phone lines are open throughout the show. 833-804-0910. We'll take your phone calls. But coming up next, we're going to switch things up. Head out on the fast break with AWOD here, talking all things NBA with special guest Justin Fensterman. The trade deadline came and went. The Wizards hung on to their guys. The Lakers hung on to their guys. Who's going to end up winning the NBA title as we switch the focus from football to basketball here over the next few months on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. And uh, it is burger night. Yes, burger night back where it all began here at Cap Ale. You can get a cheeseburger for just $2.95 or add bacon and beer cheese for $3.95. You're not going to find a better deal than that here in town. Burger night back Mondays from 3 p.m. to close here at Capital Ale House. Joining us right now on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline, it's our buddy Justin Fensterman. What's going on, Fensty? Hey, Wad, great to be with you. The song that you just played coming back, What's My Age Again, is my favorite Blink-182 song of all time. There we go. Hey, I'm going to try to hit the concert. I think it's um, June at, at uh, Capital One Arena. You have any interest in that? Absolutely, 100%. I saw them back in 2019 when, and it was before Tom DeLonge came back to the band, where they played Enema of the State all the way through, and it was a blast. So I would love to go back and see them again. Awesome. That sounds good. All right. We grab the rebound. We head out on the fast break with Awad here on The Fan. Let's go. Let's play some basketball here. We're going on the fast break with Awad. From buzzer-beating shots to the best highlight plays from around the league. Every clutch moment. The all-stars of the league. We're out in transition. It's a breakaway. It's gone at the buzzer. It's the fast break and AWOD talking all things NBA. Fensty, we begin in the Western Conference, and your leaders in the Western Conference are still the Minnesota T-Wolves, but... The Denver Nuggets, yes, the champions are lurking. They're fourth seed right now, but just half a game back of first place. Are they going to get it done? Yeah, I think that they could get back there, a one, and this is what we've started to see with them, just how they utilize their depth as well, and they've been able to remain relatively healthy too. I mean, this team just has a little bit of everything they throw at you, and I also like what I've seen from Jamal Murray as well because we sometimes see Jamal Murray just go into shooter's mode and that's it, but he's been switching it up between the shooting and the driving a little bit more, and I think that's been taking defenses off their feet a little bit. So I could definitely see them going in. I do not have Minnesota necessarily locked in as that one seed. 
So, of course, everybody knows that the NBA has the play-in tournament still, so you have 10 teams that will make it in the Eastern and the Western Conference. Let's look through 7-10 to 10 right now. It's Sacramento, Dallas, the Lakers, and the Golden State Warriors. Which of those teams do you think is most likely to win a playoff series? They're going to have to go on the road and win some games. I'd like to think that Sacramento has that ability with what we saw last year. They just haven't been hitting their stride as much, making that big of an impact. Just when you think it's kind, of, they're kind of in win some, lose some mode, and I think that can absolutely change. Their defense has to improve a little bit. That was an issue we saw with them last season. But also, you got to also give a little bit of credit to Dallas too, because while you can have teams like the Knicks that won the trade deadline, Dallas actually beefed up a little bit. Even getting Daniel Gafford, I think, was a very, very strong move because Lively can't stay healthy, and they need more bulk inside to complement their crazy offense they get from their backcourt. So I think Dallas as well, you sneak them in. Now I'm trying to see who they could beat. I don't know how they, at this point they get into a series against New Orleans, but that's the team that's right to lose at this point that's in the top six. We're on, out on the fast break with AWA talking all things NBA with Justin Fensterman from SiriusXM on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's your favorite story right now in the NBA's Eastern Conference? I mean, definitely seeing the Cleveland Cavaliers get to full strength again. And hopefully this year that defense doesn't die out in the playoffs. Just seeing Evan Mobley, I don't know how you feel about this, Awad, but I mean, my favorite position in the NBA has always been power forward. Maybe when I was five, six years old, I always thought that I'd end up being an NBA power forward. So I gravitated to the position. But I think Evan Mobley is just such a tremendous player. Not having him in there, and especially Darius Garland as well, made a world of difference missing two starters. Now they've won nine of their last ten, nine in a row now. And that defense is cooking, along with Donovan Mitchell, who did a great job running the point. So the versatility in the Stars and Scrubs roster composition has been amazing. They're now the two seed ahead of Milwaukee in the East. Last time we had Fensty on the fan here, we actually broke news in the middle of the segment that the Bucks fired their coach and then went with Doc Rivers as the next head coach. Well, they're 4-6 and six in their last 10 games, but they did just trade for Patrick Beverly to try to beef up the defense. What do you think? Can the Bucks make a run back to the Eastern Conference Finals? I think that definitely helps him, and I think besides getting Beverly the player, you're already starting to see him in the huddle a little bit. This guy is very good at scheming from the defensive side as well, so it's more than just getting him as the player. Do I think that they can make a run? Absolutely. I think there are only a few teams that can make a run, and Milwaukee is that team, but it's not only the backcourt defense that they need to improve on. Brooke Lopez, as well, has not been the same. I don't think they're going to commit to any kind of lineup change. He just hasn't been the same guy. A while. We're used to seeing him for the last year, year and a half, really be a good on-the-ball defender. Everyone's getting by him. When it comes to bets, I'm looking to bet against him when it comes to opposition player point props. And it's just been very weird to see. So it's not just the backcourt. Now they've figured out the backcourt, at least temporarily. Now they have to figure out how to defend the paint as well better. Sirius XM's Justin Fensterman on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. So as we move past a very exciting NFL season, and all our eyes turn to hoops here in Richmond, college basketball, and then the NBA, can you get me and my audience here excited for All-Star Weekend? I mean, look, I like the Saturday better than the Sunday. Over the last few years, the game has become a little bit more competitive. But I actually like the Saturday 
activities better because Awan, well, at this point, it's always fun predicting who's going to win the three-point shootout and what you could call a slam dunk contest. Some year it comes through, some years it doesn't. One of the things I actually like watching is the skills competition because I like seeing which of these big men can actually move with the ball. Like, we know Bam Adebayo can, but it's good seeing who else can bring up the ball. We all know Jokic can, but even seeing those mid-range centers and seeing what kind of handles that they have. Why? Because if they get the fast break opportunity, they'll go coast to coast if they've got the speed. They won't pass off, and I like that because that pace equals production. So I'm almost studying that skills competition. Very underrated part of All-Star Weekend. What are your favorite storylines to watch in the second half of the NBA season? I mean, I definitely want to see whether or not the Miami Heat are able to make a run because they're scary. After what they did, again, they're right now lurking in the shadows, but getting Terry Rozier helps them out on both sides of the ball. So I'm just hoping now he got banged up a little bit. So we're going to have to see what happens there. But if this team can get healthy, then if you're sitting there, you're Indiana, you can't feel comfortable with them breathing right down your neck. So I'm excited to see if Miami can get things together. And honestly, just a feel-good story team as well as I look at these. I want to see Orlando, if they're not going to make the top six, I want to see them end up in that seventh or eighth spot. I like this team. i got to pay them some respect. They've had injuries as well, but they've been holding down teams from a pace standpoint and defensively. So in the East, those are two teams that I'm on the watch for. Yeah, no, I do love Paolo Banchero, and it is an interesting race there kind of between uh, the sixth and the eighth seed there in the Eastern Conference, just like the West, the top four is completely up in the air. What are your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns? Currently the five seed uh, lost uh, most recently, but 31-22, and 22, starting to get going and getting healthy. No, I like this team very much, and this is the team that we can't disrespect. It's a different roster composition than it was last year. And Awan, going into the playoffs, I was really on Phoenix, and this year I feel like they have a little bit more to offer. They've got more scoring insurance, and I'll say this. When they got Yusuf Nurkic in that Aiton deal, I was like, okay, great, more instant offense for this team. What would he do? But he has been a total 180 of what we're used to seeing. This guy has been a phenomenal defender. I don't know who got to him. I don't know if he made all these adjustments himself, but it has been amazing seeing how good of a defender Yusuf Nurkic has become, and they're starting to utilize him more on offense as well. So they've got themselves at least four options and a few other shooters and ball handlers that they have with it as well. So I like what this team has, and even some of their utility guys like Bo Bo from time to time come through. So that depth is a little bit sneaky. Fensty, always appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Awad. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. We ask this question to the audience next. Did Usher make love in the club, or was that a dud of a Super Bowl halftime show? We answer that next on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Did you feel like Usher made love in the club, or was it a dud of a Super Bowl halftime show? 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. All right, here, here's my official take, Stub. all right? Okay. It was very entertaining, 
but I really think Usher's a better dancer than he is a singer. Like, it, I, I don't know why. Like, I, I could have watched him do his dance moves for 35, 45 minutes, but after, like, the first song or two, I was kind of tired of him singing. Is that That's just me. What he didn't think? play some of his classics, and I think that's important yeah. to consider here. Right, yeah, like, like no, we got, yeah, point. but I, I think some of his early songs, I just didn't know what they were, and that's hard to get yeah. you pumped. All right, let's take a listen to a snippet of Usher last night at the Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, you could just hear from this snippet, Stubb. He's not doing much singing. Was he was dancing around. <laughs> he was jumping up and down. He was grooving. Uh, they obviously had a microphone issue, right? He was trying to do the, you know, the mic that was attached to his ear. He needed a handheld mic. You know, it was not working. It was a lot of background noise. Uh, but I will say, I was in love with the dancing. So, oh, like, yeah. if I'm just, if I'm just, uh, you know, debating how his halftime performance was based off the dancing, I would say it was like an eight out of ten. But when you have to include the singing and everything, I think it goes much worse than that. What, what kind of ranking would you give? I it? don't think it goes much worse than that. I, I, I think okay. a lot of the Super Bowl halftime performance is spectacle because you can listen yeah. to an Usher song whenever you want. So I think the spectacle and the dancing and the visuals and the effects weight so much higher that I'd, I'd give this a seven or an eight out of ten. Okay, okay. Um, Alicia Keys, though, she was a little bit off-key. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Do you have a, a little clip of Alicia Keys last night at the Super Bowl? Yeah, we have our opening notes here. Okay. Some people. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> Hold on, run it back. One more time. Run it one more time. Some people. I'm going to, like, I don't know anything about singing. But that's that sounded like my mom. That's like that's tough. how my mom that's sings. A tough start. That's a mom singing right there. Dude, wow. I I, I I at the Super Bowl party I said more like Alicia off keys. I got I yeah. got a couple I got a good laugh. I got a hearty <laughs> oh, laugh from the group. Got it, it really boosted my ego there. So guys, Stop it wasn't it wasn't that funny, guys. Practicing his stand up comedy. There you go. Yeah, all right, let's hear let's hear more Some of Usher. People. <laughs> you wanted one more? Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh man. All right, here's Usher performing at the Super Bowl halftime show. All right, tell me when you actually hear Usher because I I hear Usher but it's pre-recorded. Like I don't hear any of Usher live. Yeah, we got we got one more. That's kind of my issue. All maybe, right, let's maybe hear this another will have them. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like a little bit, I guess. Uh, here's another thing that's going to make me feel old here. I don't get excited for Lil John anymore. Oh, that's Lil John crazy. is 53 years old now, and he's walking around the stage saying, yeah, yeah, and, you know, turn down for what? And, like, what other lines does Lil John have besides just like one word? Like, he's a one word machine. And it gets he's pumped. a one I get pumped pony. every time. I just need to hear him say, yeah, and I'm ready really? to go. <laughs> oh man, no, I'm I'm feeling old now. I used to love Lil John. I used to get fired up anytime he opened his mouth. And now I'm like, dude, get off stage. You were ruining the show for me. Uh Ludacris came out also. I love um, Luda. I, I don't I do love Ludacris, but at this point I kind of view him as a guy from the Fast and Furious rather than yeah, a guy that's, that's an actual rapper. Right? Like it's not like we've heard Luda come out with any new songs recently, so he was doing stuff that we heard twenty years ago. But that's I don't know. what the Super Bowl is about. Yeah, it's believe me, I'm not crushing this. 
I'm not crushing this and giving this below a 5 out of 10. Okay. All right, because Usher's dance moves were great. I when he took his shirt off, I was fired up. All right, <laughs> I was ready to take my shirt off and dance around. It was the dancing, the spectacle, you're right. The visuals were kind of awesome. I just I, I think the audio lacked a ton for me to give this higher than a 7. I would probably go around a 6.5 or a 7 out of 10 here for the Super Bowl halftime performance. This was the sweatiest halftime performance of all time perhaps. Oh yeah. <laughs> Usher, Usher looked like he it, it was pouring down rain. I've never seen someone produce that much water on their face. Yeah. Well, maybe the problem was he was wearing a blanket pregame. Did you see that? I did not when he see walked that. into the stu- when he walked into the stadium, he's wearing a blanket on him like he was uh, afraid of the rain or something. And then all of a sudden, he does all these war- wardrobe changes. Uh, who was that that he brought out there? The female with the sunglasses. Do you I know, know who that is? I did not know H- who that was. I think her name is Her, H-E-R. I didn't, I've no. never heard of her, uh, but she came out there and performed. Um, and, and then everybody was talking about how Swiss Beats would react to uh, Usher putting his all his ha- hands and body all over Alicia Keys on Sunday. Did that you was, see that? <laughs> I haven't seen some good. <laughs> they, yeah. So someone was like, that's someone's wife up there he's dancing with. Like, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, the other thing that caught me off guard was I did not know that Usher could rollerblade, and I cannot rollerblade. <laughs> and so because of that, I'm going to actually ding him up one more point. Give me a ding for that. The rollerblading was impressive, Stub. I, I oh, Really, I didn't see it coming. He was going around and singing. Like, I, I literally can't even stay on my feet on rollerblades. He was rolling in circles, doing tricks, and singing. That was the best part of that performance, plus when he wore this, like, Dallas Cowboys, like, blue and black outfit. That was really cool. And then right then Luda came out, um, but I, I really thought that the whole thing was just messed up audio, and and I I just can't get over that. Like this is the Super Bowl halftime here, and I was in Allegiant Stadium, and believe me, when I was in there, I didn't think the audio was that great for the opening ceremony. So maybe this is less on Usher and more on the sound system in the brand new stadium there in Vegas. I'd imagine if anyone could get sound right, it would be Vegas with all right. their how much spectacle they're known for. That surprises Bl- me. Believe me, you two sounded much better on Wednesday <laughs> night in the sphere than than Usher did. I mean, my biggest issue was that he just he wasn't doing much singing. He was like singing one line and then dancing and pop lock and dropping and good for him, but he didn't <laughs> sing enough for me. He just didn't sing enough. Well, you know who did sing? Who? Some people. Oh. <laughs> you want to keep crushing her. I like her. She no, was I a little Alicia off key. Keys. That's I fine. She was Keys. she was definitely a little off key though. My goodness. It was it was not the best start for her. How many how many album sales do you think she's going to get do today? Uh, not not very many, I feel like. <laughs> well, you know, I think you see, you hear anyone's name on the Super Bowl, yeah. they're going to get album sales. Little John's yeah. going to get some album sales, hopefully. That's a that's a good point. That's a good point. But it is interesting how the the NFL has never paid a Super Bowl halftime performer, right? It's just hey, go out there and it's a free commercial for your music. Go out there and kill it. They're like, you know, they're like, hey, Travis Kelsey, go out there and earn a big contract. Go make a play on the ball, Travis. And uh, I don't think Usher dropped the ball, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was a double doink. And then it went in. All right. <laughs> uh, I'll give him. I'm going to okay. officially give him a 7.2. A 7.2, 7. 2 for this 2. halftime All performance. Right. The dancing is what did it for me. The dancing and the taking his shirt off. You and know, the rollerblading. The rollerblading. Right, right. And and that blue, the blue and black part of the costume was really cool. Uh, and some of the backup dancers. But just, yeah, the sing. If I'm just d- judging on the singing of Usher, Alicia Keys, 
and her, right, the other person that her. came out and played the guitar, uh, I would probably give it like a 2 out of 10. So the dancing did a big thing for me here. Right. I also I wanted another celebrity to come out. Like, I don't know. Somebody a little bit more relevant. That was kind of my biggest issue with this, and maybe I maybe I'm old now, right? But it just felt like I was hearing songs that were all twenty years old by people that were way past their prime. I mean, we had that, that Snoop Dogg halftime show a while ago. That <laughs> that's even a bit older, and I think everyone liked that one a lot. Yeah, but I mean, Snoop's the man, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I believe me. Maybe I'm wrong here. You can call in and give me your thoughts. Eight three three eight zero four zero nine ten. If I was fifteen years old. And you tell me it's Usher with Lil John and Ludacris. You know, I, I would have had my my shirt off dancing around with them, but <laughs> maybe they're they're just older and I'm older and it didn't hit. I it was not a ten out of ten. It was not a nine out of ten. It was about a seven. Um, and a lot of that the positive was just the dancing. If you cl- if you watch this halftime show with your eyes closed. You were not giving it a good rating. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We do have another piece of laundry to get to on the show today. That is the bet between Rick, our sales uh, manager, and Jeff Wicker. Who is going to be an intern for the day on AWOD Radio? Stub, what are the results? It will be Rick. What was the outcome? How, how did it, it, it work out? It was very out? close. Okay. Uh, so they we we had a, a bet on the total points over under forty seven yep. and a half, and the final score was forty seven. Oh Jeff, my gosh! Yeah. No way! Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff said okay. it would be under, so he got that right. So that that led him to win that for CMC over ninety and a half rushing yards. That also didn't hit, even though yep. CMC got one hundred and sixty yards total. Uh, and, and Rick bet the over, uh, bet the under on that, so he was right, and Jeff was wrong. They both bet the over on Kelsey. But the final one was Mahomes for 262 and a half passing yards. Rick bet the under, and that is why he lost. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I almost took Patrick Mahomes over 400 uh, receiving, or excuse me, passing and rushing yards. That was a big plus number. I believe he ended up with 399, right? <laughs> so I'm glad I didn't take that bet. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. Uh, after the Super Bowl, CBS 9 in Washington, D.C. Chick Hernandez aired an interview with Commander's owner Josh Harris. We'll discuss that next on the Richmond Commander. Go, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back.